friends, Dan Schreiner here with the Disciple Hinson Podcast, and our guest today is Mac Styles. Many of you will know Mac. One of the reasons I wanted to get Mac on initially was because a tr- terrible tragedy happened in Leanne's extended family, um, but we ended up not talking about that on this podcast at all for the recording. Um, but Mac does want the Hinson Church family to know that he and Leanne are doing okay. The shock from the tragedy has worn off a bit. They really appreciate our prayers. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can just read your Hinson newsletter from a few weeks ago where Mac wrote us as one of the supporting churches on what happened and how they're doing. What we do end up talking about on this podcast is uh, what Mac is so passionate about is missions and evangelism. Um, primarily missions, and uh, you get an encouraging glimpse in this conversation, just scraping the surface of what Leanne and Mac have been about, uh, particularly over the last two decades overseas. I think you will enjoy and be encouraged. Mac, brother, welcome to the Disciple Hinson podcast. Thanks for joining me today. You bet, Daniel. Good to be here. Mac, uh, many listening will know who you are, will know your dear wife, Leanne. You have been out here. You've preached at Hinson. We've, many of us have read uh, your books on evangelism and missions, but a number of people won't know who you are. So just briefly tell us about yourself, your family, yeah. where you're from, how sure. you came to Christ. Give us a brief intro. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'm so grateful for Hinson. A long, long years of, of uh, good and wonderful partnership uh, and longer friendships with with many of the people who are on staff there you you for one and and of course michael uh adrian i so so grateful to be on the show i i um i grew up in kentucky i was born here in louisville kentucky where i am right now and uh uh my dad was a doctor in, in Owensboro, kentucky orthopedic surgeon so i grew up there uh, but I came to Christ at a, a skiing and mountain climbing school in Zermont, Switzerland. And that was in 1972, back in the Paleozoic era. Uh, uh, a kid, 16-year-old kid, shared the gospel with me. I'd not really heard it before, uh, but I was, I was very intrigued. And uh, he, he was not a particularly good skier. I was there at a race camp, skiing and race camp. Uh, so I wasn't very impressed with him at first, but uh, I kind of, I poked him a lot about his Christian faith, and he, you know, I, I, I want to go party with this. Why, why don't Why don't you go hit the bars at night with this? And uh, he he said, "Well, you know, what? It, it looks like you're having fun sometimes, but what I have in my life is so much better than what I could get out of a bottle. I just don't want to trade it." And uh, I I really didn't exactly know what he meant, but I knew I wanted it, and so uh, I just started hanging around him. He explained the gospel to me. I bent my knee to Jesus Christ uh, in a, a bad hotel, <laughs> dingy old broken down hotel at the base of the Matterhorn, um, of sin and put my faith and trust in Christ uh, amidst all his roommates' beer bottles <laughs> and the, the disco dance floor below us. It was the 70s, you know, so uh, that's where I came to the Lord. Uh it took some sorting out, you know, it took a couple of years to sort out what, what, how to live, just what, what to do. But I, I found myself at uh, a small liberal art, arts uh, uh, college in Memphis called Rhodes. 
got involved in student ministry, met Leanne, my wife. We've been married for 42 years, but we met in a campus Bible study on campus and, uh, and always sort of had an interest in missions and ministry. Though I was a microbiology major, uh, I bless my father. I, I never used that. I never used microbiology. <laughs> uh, except occasionally when like leprosy comes up in the scriptures or maybe, uh, you know, wine, new, new and old wineskins. But, um, but outside of that, you know, I, I, my heart was set on doing ministry and right out of university, I pursued campus ministry for years. Leanne and I got married while we were still in school. Uh, and she's a pharmacist. So we, uh, we pursued campus ministry for decades. I never expected that to happen, but our first break into missions, uh, was uh, short terms. We started directing a short-term program in Kenya. Uh, we developed one in Tunisia and North Africa. We worked in Guatemala in the highlands up in the side of the, the Shield Triangle, up in the side of the Guatemalan Civil War. Incredible experiences in, in short-term missions. But then in 2001, left full-time for ministry in uh, the Middle East. We moved to the United Arab Emirates. And for the last 16 years, or 16 years there, we uh, did student work and church planting. It was very exciting. And then, um, and then the last four years, we moved to Iraq, uh, where I pastored a church up, up uh, in Erbil, which is kind of sandwiched in between Turkey and Syria and, and uh, Iran. So kind of a tough neighborhood. We have three boys. Uh, one of whom you discipled, Daniel. <laughs> I'm eternally grateful for, for you doing that. Uh, my oldest son, Tristan, who is now an elder at Third Avenue Baptist Church, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and David, our middle son, and then Isaac, our youngest son. Uh, Isaac and, and Tristan are married to delightful daughter-in-laws, just wonderful, godly women. And we have five grandchildren now, if you can believe that. Wow. So um, And a puppy. That's kind of, that's the my life in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that's a great intro. Yeah. Now, you were you serving with uh, InterVarsity, in, uh, at, was it at University of Kentucky? I was. I, well, I, was, uh, I started off at the University of Tennessee. Well, I started off in Atlanta at DeKalb Community College, where I did an internship. And then we went to Knoxville for 10 years. I was on staff at the University of Tennessee, Maryville College, ETSU, Eastern, uh, up, up East Tennessee, and then became the area director of Tennessee, became the area director of Kentucky, so I, I was doing all kinds of work throughout Kentucky and Tennessee until we left. Uh, well, I became regional director of the Southeast uh, for InterVarsity. So that was uh, seven states in the South, uh, 100 staff, you know, kind of amazing opportunity for me back in the 90s. But we left for uh, full-time uh, ministry overseas in 2001, right after 9-11, uh, which is a great time. It was a great time to go to the Middle East, honestly. I, I mean, it was scary. But we went, and it was a statement, kind of, we're not afraid. We, you know, we trust the Lord. And God uh, did powerful things in the United Arab Emirates as a result of, of our move there. I mean, many other people working, obviously, uh, tremendous godly men and women that we had the privilege of working with and some really difficult places where the gospel had not been preached before. And then on to, uh, on to Erbil. Yeah. Wow, there's so much there, Mac, that I want to ask you questions about. I'll start. Our, yeah, I'll start small. I couldn't help but notice, um, and you and I have talked about this before, how kind of transparent and upfront you are 
uh, about the countries that you served in. You you don't yeah. seem concerned about con- security when many global workers, pe- people serving as missionaries, are so careful. They're uh, about yeah. n- not saying their name, not saying where they served. What? Why are you, why are you so open? Well, I. It hasn't always been like that. I mean, when we first went to Dubai, we're, we were very careful mm. um, and very careful about the church. But we found as we were more open over time, as we were more open, it, it did involve more risk. But it also provided more opportunities, more opportunities for witness, uh, more ability to connect with people that wanted to find out about Christ, uh, you know, a, a greater freedom in sharing the gospel. So uh, I I think for me, what I'm left with today is more about those who have come to faith out of other faith backgrounds that I'm more careful about. So I'm a little more careful about names of of other people. Mm -hmm. The great myth, uh, I think, in the Middle East is that Muslims don't come to faith. Many, many, we see many Muslims come to faith. Uh, Many are seeking out Christ and um, are willing, willing to die for that. You know, I mean, so in one sense... I think part of it was just this this feeling that if they're willing to die for their faith, who, who, who am I to, to be so cagey about mine? I mean, these are people that, I mean, we've seen people come from Iran who were baptized. People from Iran who are baptized, uh, I mean, it's considered treason hmm. in Iran. And uh, execution is the, is the lawful result. There's no due process for that. It's a, uh, if you are discovered, if you're especially if you're discovered baptizing Muslim converts, you, you're executed. So there seemed to be a disparity in our own minds because most of what would happen would be we would be <laughs> deported to go back to America, which is a great place to live, right? I mean, uh, so especially when we move to to Iraq, where there, I mean, there's a huge Christian history there, and Hundreds of, well, church, you know, churches, uh, you know, there's Chaldean churches and and Orthodox churches. And and there's a church in our, in the city that we were in that speaks Aramaic, the language of Jesus. So, you know, the the idea that there are no Christians in the Middle East is, now those are, I I would call them legacy churches. (laughs) I mean, or in biblical language, I think the lampstand has long been removed from from those, uh, those places. Uh, as Jesus says in the book of Revelation. But I think, uh, you know, the idea that we we need to sneak around in in places that have Christian heritages like that is almost absurd, especially as a, as a pastor of a church. And so we were very open about it. Um, and and the fruit of it was wonderful. You know, the fruit, the fruit of being, of, of, of trying to be open and, and kind of out there with our Christian faith was, Amazing! I can give you one story of a of a particular thing that happened. If you, I'm not going to gonna, I'm I, not going to stop you from sharing an encouraging okay, well, story, so, Mac. So I'm in I'm, I'm preaching in church. I I preach expositionally every week. We were going through the book of First Corinthians. Uh, just you know, this is in Erbil or back line. in uh, in Erbil. Yeah, no, this is in Erbil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslim guy wanders into church as Muslim folks did almost every week. Hmm. Um, and. Uh, he, he heard my sermon. He said, let's get together for lunch, which I was thrilled to do. And he said, listen, I'm a DJ in a local radio station. And 
I was wondering, could I interview you about that? I've never heard anyone speak about the love of God like this. And I'd really like, I'd really like to get that on the air. Now, I mean, there's a bit of a gut check about this. I mean, we're only 50 miles away from Mosul, right? <laughs> Headquarters for ISIS. Uh, so there's, I mean, there's a little bit of a, you know, a little hitch. But I was like, what an opportunity, you know? I, I, how can I turn this down? So uh, his name's Seren. So I, I said, sure, Seren, I, I'd, I'd love to do that. So I go to the radio station, and he's throwing me these, like, incredible questions. I just softball what, what what's your passion well, my passion is about jesus why what 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 does jesus say and he says well he says the gospel he said tell me the gospel you know? oh my god now the amazing thing about this this was, it was a 40-minute interview with him on on the air being broadcast throughout you know kurdistan um he is translating it into kurdish which is you know a difficult language and not a lot of people know it and so actually taking hostage claiming it throughout uh, Mosul and Erbil and Sulaymaniyah and Duhuk. I mean, Duhuk actually is a little bit of a different language group up there. It's a different. It's Badini Kurdish, not Sarani Kurdish. So he's translated into Sarani Kurdish. But I was thinking now this would not have happened if we hadn't been willing to kind of be open about who we are, what we, what we proclaim. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and by the way, I have that, I have that recorded. I can give it to people. It's on, I have it on a flash drive, the recording. So, you know, if you know of a Kurdish radio station in America that they are welcome to it, they could play it. Uh, and I think there are some, I just I haven't gotten around it. He was asking the it. questions to you in English or did he have them written out? He spoke yeah, he would ask, oh yeah, yeah English uh-huh. is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He would ask the question in English and he, so he would, a- and then translate the question and then I would answer and he translated it into Kurdish. Wow. So the best the best part of it is truly the the fact that it's recorded. Yeah. And then I have a recording of it. So, yeah. I mean, it's just aw- things like that happen all the time. Oh, you know, man. just I mean these incredible opportunities, um, where I, again, you know, it just wouldn't have happened if we had been kind of hunkered down and uh, and scared of our shadow. You know? Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. So now, I, now with that said. Understand, I know there are places, you know, right. I know there are places where you can't do that. Yes. Uh, so I, I trust that missionaries in certain places understand that. But most of the places I've been in the world, there you, you can cr- find open Christian fellowships. Hmm. Hmm. So admittedly, I've not been to North Korea. You know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been to Laos. I've been to, you know, some places like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're th- and we have people in our church from Eritrea, which is just a notch above North Korea. But wow, yeah, but yeah. Now, Matt, you're, you're yeah, answer. I was I was yeah. wondering if you saw those kind of opportunities for the gospel pretty quickly after you left the United States in 2001 and moved over to Dubai. Um, were those early years difficult and were you seeing much spiritual fruit or what, what, what was the Lord I think, doing? Uh, well, you know, I'm embarrassed to say that I, I really felt like when I was going to the Middle East, it, I would never see anyone come to Jesus again. You know, I was like, okay, my life is worth just, you know, being planted in the sand like an Ebenezer as a witness against them, you know, that they, there's no way they could ever deny in judgment that they were without witness. 
Uh, it was ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. You know, off the off the plane, we were having ministry things happen. Now, it wasn't always to the uh, you know the local people, uh-huh. but uh, but yeah, we were doing Bible studies with folks from all over the Middle East, from unreached people groups. We were seeing fruit in places. The diff- let me let me say this though. Uh, there's a big difference between sort of a, you know, individual ministries with, with, with people and starting a movement. And so we actually, you know, we were there to start a student movement. That's why we went is to start student fellowships on university campuses. And I bet today I, you, you know, the, there's a new national director now, Miss and Matthew, a dear friend and a stu- uh, one of the first students to come to faith on campus who is now the national director. Uh, but I bet there's 20 different campus fellowships now meeting in Bible studies every week, hundreds of students on those 20 campuses. Your own brother mm-hmm. is a part of that. So, you know, I, I'm, I, well, I think there's about, you may know more than I do, Daniel, but there's, there's 15 full-time staff now on the team that are ministering across the country. And most of those ministries are happening through churches. We saw seven or eight churches planted, uh, uh, you know, so, so part of the, part of what happened in the UAE was we, we started doing student ministry and there were some lean years. I, I guess the, we were there, we were there 16 years, the first seven years in terms of trying to get, uh, you know, fellowships going and, and, critical mass happening on campuses took us about seven years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But then it, then there was some fat years, you know I mean? Things Mm -hmm. started happening after that as a result. And it sort of makes sense. You know, you're talking about just two student generations there. Right. right. Um, So, I mean, uh, it depends on how you look at it to answer your question. Uh uh But one of the things that happened was when momentum started, it was like we can't we can't graduate these students who've come to faith to just go find a church once they leave. There's no good churches, you know. There's no real strong evangelical healthy churches here, and so part of part of our work was to develop solid healthy churches. Uh, I mean, nine marks, you know, nine marks churches. When I say healthy, I mean in almost a technical sense. And so uh, we wanted vibrant, Bible drenched, gospel centered healthy churches. And by God's grace, you know, we were a part of, uh, you know, a good portion of the, of the, the good churches that have started. And in one sense, you know, all of it, uh, you know, I want to be careful here, but, uh, but in one sense, the, that we were the, we were the point of the spear, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Leanne and I went, all the other stuff happened by and large, because, because we went with student ministry, put one foot in front of the other in faith, and trusted the Lord to to raise up uh, His people to do His work in that place. And so many, many wonderful and good people, and many people whose shoulders we stood on as well. But the the movement, especially among healthy churches in the UAE, happened as a result of our our move over there to do student ministry. But the realization we needed healthy churches, so. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, I it's so encouraging to think about how the Lord used you guys and the and the fruit that you all saw um, over the over the years. But as we were talking about before we started recording, 
you you do have concerns about the state of missions today. You have concern yeah. about the American church. I just had Gustav Pritchard um, on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and he, yeah. he kind of from his perspective of growing up in South Africa, pastoring there, he was giving his perspective on the American church, kind of a, a critique on the American church, as well as some you know things that he's grateful for. But it, I was wondering <laughs> if you could offer your perspective as someone who lived for, was it two decades overseas, yeah, you, you yeah, saw yeah. what the American two church decades, was 20 years. sending over. Well, I would say, I would say I, there's a number of things that go on. I mean, it's a matrix of, of things. Um, but uh, there, there, there's a lot of trouble in missions in the world today. Um, there's a certain faddishness to missiology, you know, there's some <laughs> bad theology missiologically, but especially ecclesiological uh, difficulties in missions. Uh, I don't think most missionaries are grounded in what it means to, to establish a healthy church, a vibrant church. And how does that play uh, itself of, out? If you're not established in that, wh- how do you see that? Uh, yeah. What's the fruit? So a lot of, maybe a lot of good one-on-one evangelism, maybe some good small group Bible studies. A lot of missionaries come from student ministries, so they know, they know what their Bible study looked like on their dorm campus. Uh, and those are, those are great. You know, if you can be doing that, those are wonderful things. But the end goal on this, as we make disciples, is for the disciples to come together in a church. You know, so when Jesus says, go, go into all the world and baptize them, you baptize people into a fellowship, into a community, a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you, uh, you know, if you're leaving out the church, which, which many missionaries do and don't know what to do, uh, you, you, you're, you're kind of, it's a, it's a plane with only one wing. Hmm. Now, how um, did how did so you come I, to your uh, how did you come to the conviction of the need for the church? Because you came out of student ministry, but did you did you were you grounded in the well, role think, of a church? Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't grounded at all. No, I. I mean, uh, in many ways, in many ways, uh, uh, you know, the, a lot of this was formed on the mission field, kind of a mother of necessity. But, but I had my saving grace was I knew Mark Dever well and Capitol Hill Baptist church was a supporting church. Uh, before I, before I left for overseas, you know, they were a supporter of mine in student ministry in the state. Hmm. And, uh, you know, but that was Mark did his thing. And, you know, I did mine, I did student ministry, Mark did church. We were good friends, but you know, I didn't, I didn't intersect. I was always a part of a church, you know, Mm -hmm. but like a lot of people, I, I didn't, I didn't, this is, you know, in the 90s, before Non-Marks of a Healthy Church was ever published, uh, maybe even before Mark wrote his letter of Non-Marks of, of a Healthy Church. So, you know, I, I think church was one of those things that was kind of assumed. Um, and and maybe, maybe it's part of the reason why there's not as much health as we had hoped in the American church today. But regardless, because I knew Mark and and because the church was sort of handed over to me in Dubai. So we were part of, of United Christian Church of Dubai. The pastor there did, did not like to preach. He didn't like church ministry. The church was growing, actually, because it was the only show in town. We had seven or 800 people coming, or, you know, five to 600, maybe when we first arrived in 2001. Uh, 
but I was asked to preach and be in charge of pulpit ministry in the church. Uh, I was an elder, became an elder very quickly. Uh, and it sort of dawned on me, this is in 2002, 2003, that I, you know, we were establishing a church where there had not been a healthy evangelical church. And uh, I needed to know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's sort of like, I can't, you know, I can't be, uh, you know, establishing patterns in this church that are wrong or unbiblical or, you know, so that's when Nine Marks of Healthy Church kind of, that book became really vital, which I, I think it, it only came out in 2001, didn't it? I mean. the, the Yeah, the, the so, actual book, it was, yeah, when it's going to say early 2000, yeah. Yeah, early 2000. So, so suddenly this, that book became important and so did Danny Aiken's compendium on the church where Mark Dever had written a chapter, which is, which I think now is the, is the book entitled the church. Yeah, that's standalone. Know, mm-hmm. I don't, but that was, a, that was a section in that. And that, that for me was like, oh my word, Bible in this hand. And, you know, and, and that, that section in the book in the other is I just poured over the theological platform for church. Hmm. And so it was a real school of hard knocks for me, a seminary of hard knocks for me, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. of learning, what, okay, what is, what fundamentally, what is the church? And, uh, and you know, very few missionaries have that experience because very few missionaries start churches in, in America. Most of them go overseas, and they focus on learning the language, and they do stuff cross-culturally, and, you know, they, most of them don't preach. So you have a lot of, you have a lot of folks that are very good-hearted and usually good-willed towards the church, but they're focused on other stuff. So I think for me, I was kind of, by the Lord's grace, forced into it, mm-hmm. forced into well, what is the church? What, what, what are the fundamental elements of church? What are the, you know, the irreducible parts of church that need to be in place before we call it a church? Yeah. And certainly before we call it a healthy church, I mean, which is the aim. We don't want just just to take communion and baptize. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, we want more than that. We want a, a vibrant, you know, poke Satan in the eye church. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, that's a yeah. great, that your experience is a great apology for, you know, overseas of the importance of a local church. Um, you you know Henson, you you know Michael well, you, you, you've been out right. here, as we mentioned, what would you say, and we're going to kind of move into lightning round here, because we're sure. we're going to run out of time, and there's so many things I'd like to ask you and hear more and more stories, but we're just going to get quick, maybe quick uh, questions and answers out here sure. to give a yeah, taste. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So what would you tell to Henson, uh, tell Henson about being a, a healthy sender of missionaries how can we yeah. how can we grow look so here's here's what i'd say yeah. I, I, a number of things i'd say but number one don't be impressed because someone's just willing to buy an airplane ticket to a you know bongo bongo i i mean <laughs> who cares anybody can buy plane tickets now there's nothing special about that there's got to be more than just a willingness to go so that's i mean i love mobilizers i'm grateful for missionary mobilizers but if we if we have mobilizers who who only mobilize and do not provide foundation, it's it's disastrous on the mission field. So mobilization without foundation is what's the word? It would be uh, 
devastation. There, there you the go. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the what are the top three things that you're looking for other than top a desire three. to go? So give give us yeah. give me top three. A clear a clear and a and abiding understanding of the gospel and its implications. And that and that separation, that divide. What is the gospel? What are the implications? Of and an ability to articulate it, would you say, as well? Articulate it, work it out, explain it, answer questions. You know, uh, you know, and and know how to apply it in your life. You know how. So, you know, you know, I I would want I would want. You know, you sit down with a missionary candidate. You say, tell me, tell me, outline for me book by book, uh, chapter by chapter, in the Book of Romans. You know, I'd want I'd want him, you know, bang, bang, bang. You know. Chapter one, we're in trouble. No, mm-hmm. chapter, you know, I mean, just <laughs> just go go through it, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, Galatians or Ephesians. Are you where? Do you, how do you use the how do you see the gospel? Mm-hmm. So just so that the gospel becomes the way of life for a missionary. The second thing I'd want them to know. So that's number one. Number two, I'd want them to have solid ecclesiology. You know, just healthy church. Do an internship at Henson with with you guys. Uh, and I, you run the in, you run the internship pro- program, don't you, Daniel? Oh, me personally, Sorry, I'm I'm a I'm a part of it, but really, Michael runs it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you want you want, and I would say for future missionaries, I, I wouldn't even worry that much about missiology as much as I'd worry about ecclesiology. Make sure they know the church, in and out. You know, um, so in one sense, you you should send your missionaries to the same sort of internship that you run there for your pastoral candidate. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's more important it's more important yeah uh, because yeah. what you establish for a church overseas may be the only church in a place mm-hmm. you know so you're establishing something hopefully that lasts long beyond us you know when we're in the grave we i want the Erbil international baptist church to be ongoing mm-hmm. and and it's just critical so I, I want them to understand that and the third thing i the third thing i say you said the top three so the gospel the church I want people to, to be equipped for their call. You know, it's a, not everyone is equipped or, you know, not everyone should be on the mission field. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just some people, and it's like, it's like preaching, right? I mean, mm-hmm. preaching, I mean, there's a craft element to preaching that anyone can learn, but it, preaching in the end is a gift. Mm-hmm. And we, we want people gifted uh, in rightly handling the word of God in the pastorate, well, we want we want to make sure that missionaries are gifted in their calling uh, to the mission field, and so uh, so that was, those would be the top three things I want missionaries to know. But I, let me let me give you three things that you want to look for once they're there, yeah, <laughs> or once as you send them, you want them to be fruitful, you want them to be faithful, and you want them to be strategic. Those would be the three things I I would most want to see with supported workers. Have you written so, articles or a book? No, on I'm this? just coming up with this with you right now. Okay. Is, yeah, I, you I should, you should turn this into a, a little article or something. Yeah. Put a little copyright C on, on that, those three things. Cause fruitful faithfulness and strategic is so critical on the mission field. And so many people, you know, fail in one of those areas, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing work. That's not strategic. That's they're, they're not strategic, but they fail personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their walk with Christ or, or, or they're just not fruitful over the years. You know I mean? They don't, nothing happened. Yeah. And yeah. so of course you want, you know, I, I guess I hear a lot of times, well, the important thing is faithfulness and utterly, I of course agree with that. But over the years, if you're not seeing any kind of fruit, 
in, in work that you put your hand to in a certain place, then there's reason to question, well, what's going on here? Is this, is this right? You know, is this the right thing for you? Yeah. You, uh, um, Mac, I'm going to do a, 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 a abrupt right turn here to talk about some <laughs> workers that you've invested in. You really, you and Leanne invested in David and Chris yeah. Lawrence, and we had the privilege of them coming to do the pastoral we residency. Were, and, right. And we, we were thrilled to send them to Henson. Yeah, we, we love them so much. I'll get David and Chris on here on the podcast one of these days. Um, actually, one of our, one of our guys, uh, Stephen Riley, is with them right now in Erbil. Oh, it's Stephen there. You Stephen's know, uh, Stephen was here for his sister's wedding. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, here in that's Louisville. Right. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was with him and Annalisa, and it was just, what a delightful couple. So excited about them coming. Yeah. So glad that Annalisa is well. Yes. Uh, and, and, and the kids are well. Yeah. So we're grateful for that. Yeah. So How's, Just tell yeah, us. Stephen's in, with him right now. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was over there. That's yeah. great. How, how, from your perspective, how is the work going in Erbil? How is the church doing? And kind of... Um, what's your, your and Leanne's plan going forward? Uh, so on November 6th, that was last, no, a week and a day ago. Yep. On Friday. What's today? Friday. No, a week ago today. They voted David in as the new senior pastor to take my place as senior pastor of the Reveal International Baptist Church, which of course we are grateful for and thrilled about for David. Great things are happening in the church. And, uh, I, uh, I'm so grateful that the church has uh, made this smooth transition. I think things are, are moving along as best they could in the midst of COVID days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people sick mm-hmm. in Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the medical facilities, so it's a little more frightening in some ways. But I think David and Chris are weathering that well. People are coming to faith still in the church. Uh, and so, you know, we... I mean, lots of great stories. David can tell you about those that have come to faith from other faith backgrounds and and how they're discipling them. So we're excited about that. The church continues to to seem to flourish and develop community even in the midst of lockdowns and draconian lockdowns, actually, in Kurdistan. Okay. So uh, praise God for that. Um, they they've met uh, they've met a couple times for the first time. I think the last three or four weeks. So, um, okay. but so we are officially, we're officially, uh, moved from Erbil. We took a long time to do that. We wanted that for a good transition. Yeah. I've started, I've started a new 501c3 called messenger ministries. Uh, I'm hoping to raise up people to go to be part of healthy international churches. We're still in the formation period. I mean, I really didn't, I, I was a bit hamstrung to do anything as long as I was, the, still the senior pastor until just last week. So last week I, I'm no longer the senior pastor. Uh, so yeah, we're still figuring out. I appreciate your prayers on, on next for us. We're not returning from ministry, uh, but we are not, we're, we're not returning to reveal. We feel like, we feel like we did what we are good at, which is kind of starting things, getting them in good shape and handing them over. It's been the pattern of our lives yeah. uh, for Leanne and I. Right. Right. Uh, so we're we're still sort of figuring out what next, uh, but we're excited about it, and uh, and we're you know and if Henson wants to join us in in next steps, that's great. And if not, I'm eternally grateful to Henson, uh, you know, uh, in uh, in your support of us. 
So well, it's been a privilege, uh, brother. Uh, it's been a privilege supporting you and Leanne in your in your gospel work. We are so thankful for you all, Mac. Right. Thank you so much for the time, brother. We've we've run out of time, but uh, always a joy to see you, you and talk to you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. All right. All right. Take care.